Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Thank you so much for joining us on the last day of January, January 31st, 2016. Man, I feel like time just flies real quick, doesn't it? All right, how about everybody stand up before we begin? All right, if this is your first time here, thank you for coming. But um, for those who have been here before, uh, we usually start our service off with a testimony. And so I'd like to call up my sister Tina to come up and share a testimony of what God has been doing in her life. So please give a warm welcome to Tina as she comes up. Hallelujah. Hello, everybody. My name is Tina. I um, work with the children's ministry in the back often, and I am a 201 leader uh, today. I've been serving the Lord for five years now. Praise the Lord. Praise God. May he keep me. <laughs> um, but it hasn't been an easy five years, you know. There's been some ins and outs. There's been uh, faced with uh, death, faced with uh, temptations, all kinds of things, you know, that um, uh, is, you know, it's often said that when you follow the Lord, it's usually not you know, something that you're going to enter and, like, you have this luxurious life now, you know. It's a challenge. It's There's trials. There's testings uh, to prove who you are and whatnot. And the word the Lord gave me for today was um, in Hebrews 4.12. And I'll read it and then I'll tell you why. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In my five years of walking with the Lord, this has happened to me often. The word of the Lord has been alive and active in my life, and it has judged my heart, it has fixed my attitudes, and it has made me to be the woman of God I am today, and still increasing those uh, characteristics to be like Jesus, to follow like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and quickly correcting my heart from the things that I can easily uh, be offended by or I can easily offend someone else by. So following the Lord is, is a wonderful thing, and like the word says, his word is alive and active today. So that's what I want to leave y'all with, okay? We're going to pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just come before your throne, Lord. We glorify, we magnify you, Jesus, because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords of our lives, Lord God. I pray that today you would open hearts, Father God, that you would speak to the hearts of your people, God, that your word would penetrate through their hearts, through uh, a split of them like bone and marrow, Father God. So I pray that you have your way in this place, Lord, and that every word that is spoken here today would be seasoned and anointed by you. In Jesus' name, amen.
life that you've given us. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, God. And today we just want to give you everything, every part of our hearts. We want to sing, oh, Father God, for an audience of one, and that's you, Jesus. So, God, Lord, here's our heart, here's our praise, our worship. We give it to you, God. We sacrifice, God. We make our sacrifice of praise today unto you, Lord. Teach you this new song, and it's called Taste. There's a scripture in the word that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you guys know that God is good today? Come on, we're gonna sing about it together.
awesome love today. Come on, all over this room, can you just close your eyes with me and say, God, would you just surprise me right now? Surprise me with your presence. Surprise me, God, with how heavy your love is, how heavy, how weighty your love is for me today. God, would you open our eyes to see your wondrous love, how awesome your love is for me, for all of us in this room, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Oh, Jesus, you give, God. You give, Lord Jesus. You give us life. You give us your, your love, God, that doesn't fail. God, you give us hope, Lord Jesus, when we are hopeless, God. We thank you for your goodness. Jesus, thank you, God. Hallelujah, we love you, God. We love you. We love you today. Can you just start saying that with me? Can you just start telling the Lord how much you love him? Come on, just in your own words right now.
our praise and we pour out our praise and we pour out our praise to you only. Because we know everything in this world will fade. But the word of God is eternal. And you live forever and ever. And you died so that we could live. You are worthy of all praise. Oh, yes, Jesus. Have your way today. Have your way in our hearts. For those that are new to worship, God, I find that they would, I pray that they would find a new place with you. As you implore them to come a little closer and to dig a little deeper and find that the comfort for their restless and weary souls is in your presence where perfect peace is. And it's in our hardest moments when we don't want to worship that we find that if we worship, then it won't be our hardest moments anymore. Because we can take what we're so tightly holding on to and we can put it in the Father's hand and we can release it and it's not our burden to bear anymore let your perfect peace fall all over this place all over this room God all over this city God that our city would know peace in a city that's so rocked by violence and greed and selfishness. May you open the floodgates of heaven and take your people from outside these four walls to go change a city, change a nation. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, God. And we just want to say, God, you are worthy, and we praise you above all things. And I just pray, God, you just rock us today in the name of Jesus. And everybody want give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to take this time to preach the gospel to you. And in Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, he says, in him, in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Man, I love that word lavish. It's so, it's such a descriptive word. He lavished it on us. The riches of his grace. God's grace was so sufficient that he was able to die on a cross for each and every one of us. That we could be redeemed. That we are no longer under a fallen and sinful state. That's who we were. That's who we are without Christ. We are fallen. We are broken and we are sinful. We are selfish. We are greedy. We are manipulators. We are haters of self. We are haters of God. But God made a way to redeem us. We have the beauty uh, to be in a restorative state where we get to be seen as perfect because of his blood. To be whole and complete and beautiful and wonderful and selfless and giving. 
to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow him. And that's God's purpose and plan for each and every one of us. And if that is something you want for your life, to go from the fallen state to the broken state to the restored state, we're going to have a couple of prayer workers up here during our fellowship time, and you can go and receive prayer. And so I just want to pray for us. If you guys would all just close your eyes and bow your heads. Father God, I just thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you don't want to leave us in a broken state. That you poured out your blood for all mankind, that all men may know you and choose you, God. And to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, God, for pouring it out on us and for loving us when we were still sinners. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you, God, for all that you have done for us, for all that you do, and all that you are going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, we are going to recite our confession of faith on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Greet your neighbor. Greet somebody you haven't yet met.
excited to be at church today. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. It's so wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces. Thank you for coming to Metro Praise International. We welcome you here. Thank you for making the second service an awesome service. And we're just so excited about what God is doing in us and through us here. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. That's for our students, 11 to 18 years old. It's our Elevate Youth Service. And we're just so excited about what God is doing in their lives. So if you know anybody in that age group, please invite them to be here on Friday nights. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God, loving people. Let's say it together. Loving God, loving people. And our strategy is connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to the church through our life groups. That means so much to us here. And then we want to mentor you uh, through our 101 and our 201. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. If that makes you excited, say amen. Come on, if you're ready to connect, say amen. Let's get connected. So we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus through our life groups. In the back of your handout, you'll see the schedule of this quarter and what we're offering as far as uh, locations, times, the types of life groups that we have for you and your family. I really want to encourage you, pastor you, get connected. Find a life group to call home and just be faithful to it. So this is a snapshot of what's happening this week. Kicking it off on Tuesday, we have the Resistance Youth Life Group. Come on, Resistance, if you're here. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., they meet at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Wednesday, every week, we have King's Kids. That's infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church, where we have Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club, just an awesome way for our children to get discipled and grow close to Jesus. Thursday, all, uh, uh, every week, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet them on the streets. They're going to preach the gospel. They're going into the darkest places to snatch souls from the fire. So join them there. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies for you guys. We have one at the Goveas. The other one is at the Vivitz House, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., they're opening up their homes. They want to share life with you. This is an awesome quarter. They're going through the Truth Project. It's just a great place to invite your friends and family that don't know Jesus. So please meet them there. And then Saturday, the Ambassadors Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old. They meet at 3 p.m. those Saturdays, and that's the address for them. So somebody say connect. Now we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. That is done one-on-one -on -one between you and a leader, which we have available for you guys to walk this journey with you, to encourage you, to pray for you, to just uh, help draw you closer to the Lord. And then our 201 class is Disciples That Make Disciples. We have a Sunday morning class with Pastor Jared, Thursday evening with Pastor Ellie, and that's just where we train you to be a leader, to, to be all that God has called you to be. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say, send. We want to send you out to do evangelism on the streets. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we have people going on the streets of Chicago preaching the gospel. Nudge your neighbor. Say, let's go. Let's go next Saturday. Come on. That's where you're going to get trained. Meet them on the streets. Preach the gospel with everything inside of you. And let's just get ready to win a city for Jesus. 
So in recap, MPI, we have a vision, strategy, goal, vision of loving God, loving people, strategy of connect, mentor, send, goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Woo. All right. We're going to continue our act of worship unto the Lord through giving our tithes and offerings. How many of you guys know that that's an act of worship? We give that as an act of worship to God through our finances. And again, at um, MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% given regularly to the Lord, a 10% of our, of our income. And then we have missions offering and building offering that we give faithfully throughout the year. And this is an amount between you and the Lord. You know, we don't beat you over the head and say, you have to give to this. No, it's, it's through relationship between you and God based on the generosity of your heart, what God tells you to give. So let's get into our lesson for today. We are on section one of the Disciples Giving book. Today is lesson five. Somebody say lesson five. God blesses those who tithe. How many of you guys want to be blessed? Come on. He blesses the tithers. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. And we're going to be reading in Malachi 3.10. You can follow along. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be not, that there will not be room enough to store it. That is the only place in the Bible where the Lord asks us and gives us permission to test him in, and it's in our finances. He says, bring the tithe here, bring it into the storehouse, and I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing over you that you won't even have room to store it. Isn't that powerful? So let's get into the main points. Number one, God blesses those who tithe. God blesses or empowers to succeed those who tithe and keep his commands because that's our act of trust to him. If we can't trust him with finances, we're not going to be able to trust him in any area of our life. By tithing and giving offerings, we say, God, we trust you. You are in control. I'm going to give this to you because I want to be a part of furthering your kingdom, and I'm just going to rely on you to lead, to guide me, to to prosper me, to, to give everything that I need. Number two, God's blessings overflow to his people's lives. God not only promised to meet our needs, but he also promises to give us enough to help meet others' needs. And that needs to be our heart. We want to be blessed to be a blessing, not just to keep hoarding treasures on earth. That's not what we want to do. Everything here is going to fade away. Everything here is going to rot. It's going to destroy. But when we're giving tithes, when we're giving missions, we're building up treasures for ourselves there. And then we're having an abundance and access here so that we could share with our neighbor, give to those that are in need, being blessed to uh, be a blessing. And here's a summary. When we give to God, he gives back to us abundant blessings that are more than we can personally contain. And here's two ways to apply this lesson. Number one, give God your tithe faithfully. And number two, pray and ask God to bless you to be a blessing. If you want to do that in your life, let's confess this on a count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If you want to be in partnership with God and his church, stand up to your feet with me this afternoon as we prepare to give the Lord our very best. Again, MPI believes a, a tithe is 10% of our total income. We want to be faithful givers of that. 
offering we designate towards missions and building. Thank you for partnering with the vision that God has given us to reach Chicago, to reach the nations. And we want to just remind you to make sure you put the envelope uh, on the envelope to put the exact amounts that you want designated towards those categories. And here are four ways that you could give here. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Three, in the back with credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry about that. And number four, online with Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, Bill Pay at um, mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Here's a our building offering, our building fund for this year, new band equipment. If you've made the pledge, thank you, keeping faithful between you and the Lord and the amount that he's told you. If he uh, hasn't told you anything yet, keep praying because he will. So number one, pray. Ask God what you should give. Two, listen. Listen to what God tells you to give. And three, do it. Give generously and watch how God blesses you. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4.18, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant provision in our lives, and we thank you that you do meet our needs according to your glorious riches. And I just pray that we would be found faithful, faithful in the tithe, faithful in the offering, not entrusting our own strength to provide for ourselves, but trusting you and giving you what belongs to you first, God, and knowing that you're going to meet all our other requests, all of our other needs. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this afternoon, and I pray that we would use these offerings, God, to further your kingdom on this earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give, and thank you so much for your generosity. How many ready to love Jesus? Make some noise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Good to see everybody here. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Now, we're going to wrap for you guys. I hope you guys are ready. Okay, so this whole month, we've been doing the Chosen series. So now we're going to put it all together to a wrap, and it was so much fun for the first service. I hope you guys love it because it's going to go down. Let's give it up for my man, Julian, a.k.a. Raps. We call him Raps. <laughs> Okay, so y'all know we got a vision, loving God, loving people. We got a strategy, connect, mentor, send. We have a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches, 500 around the world. And so we're going to put this to a beat, and you guys can just stand up. So let's just have some fun. Come on, stand up. And then my man, Julian, is going to rap a little bit. I want you guys to chant with us too, okay? So we got a little, it's coming a little too hot right here on the, um, so you got to turn off some of these mics. 
And then the monitors. We'll give it a little second. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> just get right, right, right to it. <laughs> I'm just so excited. Can't even tell you. Okay, kick in that beat. And let's get the vision up there. Come on. Kick in the beat. Drop it like it's hot. Come on. Now put the vision up there. Oh, a little bit louder, a little bit louder. Come on. Oh, 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 oh. Well, when I say loving God, y'all say loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people. When I say loving God, y'all say loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Okay, now we're going to do this again, and I want you to make a little noise, okay? When I say loving God, y'all say loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people. When I say loving God, y'all say loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's do the connect. You ready? All right, let's Connect to the cross, mentor count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross, mentor count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Connect to the what? Mentor count the what? Sent to reach the make disciples like a come on. Connect to the what? Mentor count the what? Sent to reach the what? Disciples like a oh. Oh, you ready? Come on, let's do the next one. You guys ready for the 100,000? You ready for the goal? Here we go. Oh, 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. Come on. 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Come on. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. Whoa, 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Come on. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. One more time. 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. Whoa, MPI. Till the day I die, come on. MPI till the day I die. MPI till the day I die. This is the disciples' battle cry. Come on, say. MPI till the day I die. Whoa. MPI till the day I die. MPI till the day I die. This is the disciples' battle cry. Come on, say. MPI till the day I die. Come on, girl. MPI till the day I die. Whoa. MPI till the day I die. Oh, this is the disciples battle cry. We disciples that make disciples who make disciples of every nation. We are disciples that make disciples who make disciples of every nation. We are disciples who make disciples who make disciples of every nation. MPI, MPI till the day I die. Whoa. MPI till the day I die. Come on, Julian. MPI till the day I die. Whoa, this, this is, is the disciples battle cry. Disciples that make disciples. Woo. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? Come on, disciples that make disciples. Who make disciples of every nation? Okay, disciples that make disciples. We get it straight from the Bible. We Woo. made it into a cycle on fire. We never be idle. Spiritual spotless. We raise like the 300 at war with the devil what? but his days already numbered oh. and that's in case you wonder come on and it's like i'ma take a stand yeah. like it's d-day i'm a soldier running in the sand Woo. without a vision the people yeah. shall truly perish so in my life i hold the strategy close and cherish oh no because yeah. it's mpi to the day i die everybody mpi to the day i die whoa mpi to the day i die this is the disciples battle cry make some noise Come on, give it up for Julian one more time. Good job, my brother. Oh, that was fun. (laughs) Wasn't that fun? 
Come on, that was our second time doing that. O-M-P-I to the day I die. Woo! Okay, everybody open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. We are having so much fun in this church. I want to thank you guys for coming today. I know some, sometimes second service can be a little bit difficult in attendance, but I want to say thank you for being faithful. We could not fit all the church into two serv- uh, one service right now, so two services is where we're at. And so those of you who are building the second service, continue to be faithful and watch what God will do. It's amazing. And some people get saved and, and literally come to the Lord in the second service and then go uh, fill up the first service. So those of you who have made this your service, we're so excited. We are in the middle of our sermon series, Chosen, and what we've been learning is that God has called MPI or Metro Praise International to accomplish these things that are special to us. Now, every church should have a a vision, a goal, a strategy, and for us, this is but been around from day one. This is how we started the church. This is what we announce every week, and you've heard it. And so what we do is at the beginning of every year, we've been doing it for quite some time now, is we take that whole month of January to refocus us on that thing that's most important to us. And so for this year, excuse me, we actually have made a new diagram showing the heart, that our heart is loving God, loving people. That is our vision. And then the connect, mentor, send, being our discipleship strategy and our goal going around the world, going around the earth. And so we uh, looked to the scriptures of John chapter 15 and we saw that God has chosen us to do these kinds of things. And that's where we got the sermon series title from, Chosen. Everybody say Chosen. Thank you. And so the chosen, uh, the thing that we've been chosen to do is this very thing. We've been chosen to make disciples that make disciples. We've been chosen to love one another, to change the world. And so I want you to look at John chapter 15, verse 12, and follow along as we read through it for the last time, remembering we had a sermon series before this in the first uh, verses of John 15, 1 uh, to 11, and that was teaching about abiding and us being uh, the branches and Jesus being the vine. Well, now you have really heard the whole context of John 15, ending with this time of chosen and bearing fruit. And I hope that you can see that that's uh, how we've described it in our church as a place for you to belong. And we're going to look at that today real uh, carefully to make sure you know you have a place to belong here. Now let's go to John 15, 12. Jesus talking. He says, my command is this, love each other. Everybody say love each other. Now I want you to notice he says that in verse 12, love each other, and then he's going to end in verse 17, love each other. Now this is what we call a sandwich. He is going to start off with a point, end with a point, and put all the meat in the middle. So just pay attention to what he defines as loving each other and the the basis for that. So now he says in verse, or rather verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so now he's going to teach us that when we're loving each other, we should lay down our lives for each other. Now in verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And so now we see that that if you love someone, you're going to lay down your life for them. You're going to be willing to suffer for them. And then you will obey their commands. And all of us have friendships that have commands and obligations. We may not speak them all the time, but we have them as a part of our relationships. So, for example, think about it like this. There's an unspoken obligation or command in my life. If you're going to be friends with me and my wife and you're a guy, you're not going to hit on my wife. Okay, that's an unspoken obligation. If, if you're going to be my friend, you're not going to mess with my kids. You're not going to steal from me. Well, those are 
plain and simple, right? We know that. Well, when it comes to Jesus, his commands are simple as well. Don't lie to his creation. Don't lie to other people that he's made. Treat them as you want to be treated. Don't uh, put anything before him. Don't make idols. Don't have vain worship. All of those commands are going to define his friendship, and they're easy to find in the Bible. How many think it's pretty easy to understand what Jesus taught? There's not a lot of confusion, and when you hear people arguing about, say, same-sex relationships, homosexuality, or living together before they're married, or having sex before they're married, whatever, these things are obvious. Bible has been so clear on this. There's, there is no discussion, really. It's only people trying to change what Jesus has said. So here he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So are you a friend of Jesus? Look at your life. Are you following his commands? Now, verse 15, I no longer call you servants. That's a wonderful thing to be for Jesus. There are times we are to look at ourselves as servants. But he goes beyond that with us. He says, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. And that's true. If the person who comes and cleans your house or mows your lawn is a servant to you, you pay them to do a service, they don't know how much money you make a year. They don't know the secrets of your house. You keep things away from them. They're just somebody who comes and performs a service, like an IT guy installing internet or a computer in your house, right? They're not going to know everything about you. But here Jesus says, you're not just a servant. You're not just doing commands as if I don't really invite you in close to me. He says, no. He says, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. So Jesus is saying, you're not just somebody just trying to work in the, you know, the earth here to please me so you can go one day and go to heaven. Like you're just taking care of my garden down here. Like Jesus just wanted somebody to take care of the earth and he developed man and said, now you guys are my gardeners, take care of the earth. No, we are literally his friends. And he said, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. Now here's another thing I want you to think about. All the religions try to give a way to heaven, but all of their leaders started from earth. Think about that. Muhammad started from earth, tries to give you a way to heaven. Buddha started from earth, tried to give you a way to heaven. Jesus started in heaven and came to earth. He knows the secrets of heaven. He knows the way to get there. And then not only that, all of those other prophets, they died and they stayed in the earth. Their body at least did. Their soul went on, but their body did. Jesus is the only one who resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven. So he came from heaven and went right back to heaven. So now who should we listen to? We should listen to Jesus. We shouldn't listen to what other religions teach. We shouldn't listen to what false versions of Jesus teach. Uh, what people say supposedly Jesus had said, we should go directly to the Bible, be a friend of Jesus, do what he commands, know what he has taught us, and that we should trust comes from the Father. And as another scripture says in John, it, it says that uh, there is no way, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except by him, by Jesus. Amen. He says, for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So you don't need the Book of Mormon. You don't need the Watchtower of the Jehovah Witnesses. You don't need the Quran. Everything that you would ever need has, been co has come from Jesus into this Bible. That's all you need. It's come from the Father anything else has come from the devil who is a father in one sense and the bible says he's the father of lies el diablo muy mal amen we don't want the devil amen little espanol little espanol un poquito now watch. Look at where we get our sermon series from as we're wrapping it up. Five weeks in January, we had five messages, okay? You did not choose me. That's where we get the word chosen from. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that is what's important to understand is that Jesus is initiating us to be a part of this relationship, and he is choosing us. And the reason why he chooses us is so we can go and bear fruit. As I've mentioned before, using my daughter's birthday party, as an example, and I'll say that to everybody here to catch you up if you haven't heard it. 
Think of it like this. I'm having a birthday party for Bethany. I invite the whole church to come. I say, everybody's welcome to come. We'll be at my house at 5 o'clock today. Everybody's invited. But only those who come, who show up at our house, will be chosen to ride the pony. Okay, let's say I had a pony, and you wanted to ride on it. The only way you could come and ride on the pony to be chosen to do that is if you accepted the invitation. That invitation does not force you to be chosen. And so sometimes people look at the Bible and say, he chose me like a kidnapper, chooses kids and drags them into the van and drives off with them. No, that's not how Jesus forces you into heaven. Jesus knocks at the door of your heart and says, I'm inviting you to be chosen, but you have to respond to the invitation to be chosen. So it's his initiation, it's his knocking at the door of your heart, but it's you that are ultimately responsible for whether or not you're going to respond. Another way it says it like this is many are called, many are invited, but few are chosen. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But does all the world get eternal life? No, only those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. So the whole world has been given the invitation of salvation, but only those who respond are then chosen for salvation. Now, if you notice, he says that you might go and bear fruit. That is going back to the understanding of the vine and the branches, that we're abiding in him. He is our source of life. He gives us all of our nutrients. Everybody say nutrients. He gives us all of our nutrients, and we bud forth all of these wonderful things in our life, fruit in our marriage, good fruit in our job, good fruit in our community, and all of these wonderful things. And not only do we have it temporarily on earth, because some people have good jobs and good families, but the Christian has their fruit last. It lasts forever. They are rewarded in eternity for the things they did in Jesus' name. So take, for example, that guy who makes a touchdown. He does some little, you know, funky dance, and he does his thing. He slams it down. He has just had his reward for that touchdown. It has come, and now it has gone. He'll never get that reward again. But the person who takes a knee gives glory to God. They will have that reward for all of eternity. And it's the same thing. On your job, somebody gets a bonus or a raise, and they say, I did that. I did this for myself. Well, that's all they get is that temporary pleasure of that treasure. But the one who says, thank you, Jesus, you've been so good to me. I, I am so thankful, Lord. I, I'm, I'm grateful for this. I'll help others with this. I'll give more with this. That person has that treasure remain for eternity because it lasts. But not only do they have treasure that remains or fruit that lasts, it says, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so now this person that we're supposed to be, a disciple, a friend of Jesus being chosen to bear much fruit, gets what we would call the blank check of prayer with God. We can actually ask whatever we want, and Jesus will always say, that's good. But here's the thing. It has to be according to his will to bear good fruit. So if you have not been batting too well with your prayer requests, if your batting average is below average, you're only getting maybe two out of ten prayers answered, probably the other eight are not either in line with God's will or in line with God's timing. And so I love to give the example like this. You might have prayed to win the lottery, you didn't win, and you said, God, where, where you at? You were supposed to hook a brother up. I was supposed to win the lottery. What's going on? But God's saying, I'm not answering that prayer. Why don't you ask me to pray or what to give out of your closet to someone that needs it? So now if you go to your closet and say, God, what should I give away? Boom, God's right there. Hello, I think you should give away this, this, and this. Because it seems like as we read the Bible, though God hears our prayers, he doesn't respond to them unless it's according to his will. So this is not a make-believe statement that we get whatever we ask. No, it's a very true statement because Jesus always got whatever he asked the Father. 
but he also knew he had to go to the cross. He knew he had to lose people. He knew he had to walk away from his family at one point. He knew that he had to suffer, and that was still part of God's will. So he always got his prayers answered, and some of them was not deliver me out of the suffering, but help me go through the suffering. Can I hear an amen for that? How many are glad Jesus died on the cross for you and, G and the Father heard his prayers? Now look at verse 17. Here we get to the end of that sandwich. This is my command, love each other. Everybody say, love each other. Now say it like you mean it, smile. Everybody say, love each other. <laughs> Amen. That's okay. We're having fun. Love each other. He started off saying love each other. He ends saying love each other. Why? Because loving each other is going to be the heart and the, the purpose of what we're doing bearing fruit. So if we are to be disciples that make disciples, we cannot do it like we're Amway, like we're salesmen. Nor can I do it like I'm trying to manipulate you. I shouldn't be intimidated by crowds coming and going. I shouldn't try to build the church out of my my own flesh. I should be happy and content with the ones that God sends me because I will love them as he loved them. I will preach them as he called me to preach them. And the same thing in your life. If you love people, you will tell them the truth. The Bible says an open rebuke is better than hidden love. So you may be able to have 10 friends in your life if you never offend them. But if you preach the gospel to them, you may only have two real ones. And God says, I'd rather you have two real ones and the rest of the eight know that you told them the truth than for you to meander and just say whatever your uh, other friends want to hear and you never tell them the truth. And so this is where you have to understand that loving people sometimes costs you something. It comes with a cost. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I care for you that I don't want you to go down a where, where, uh, where would wayward path. There we go. And so that's why he started off with love. Everybody go love. Okay, so there you go. Now, we have talked about each one of these things. Our first sermon was on chosen, and that's where I spent the whole entire time talking about what it meant to be chosen. You can always go back and do what I'm doing on the website, and uh, we learned all the different components of what chosen means. Then we talked about loving God, okay? Now, if you, re if you remember, during this sermon series, I not only wanted to give you the hows of why to do these things, I wanted to give you the whys. And if you remember, we learned the difference between a how and a why. And for a review, that would be helpful for others here, is how something works has to do with function. Everybody say function. And that's knowledge learned and discovered by science. So man can discover through science how babies are born, how sperms go into eggs, how embryos developed, how then it, uh, the baby comes from the birth canal, etc. But you see, why questions have to do with purpose. Everybody say purpose. And that's knowledge learned and discovered by revelation. And so only God can reveal to man through revelation why babies are born, okay? Why are babies born? And so if somebody wanted to be really smart and be like, Pastor, I have a biology class, and they've taught me why babies are born, because uh, species have to reproduce to survive. That's why. Well, then I would say, why are there such things called species? Oh, because it came from evolution. Oh, where did evolution came from? Why is there such thing called evolution? Oh, because something banged a long time ago. What banged? Oh, nothing banged. Really? So nothing can bang and create something? You understand how foolishness the, the world is? You see, they can't ans answer any of the why questions. They want to try to play around with science and microscopes and telescopes and tell us all of these wonderful functional things, but they can't tell us any of the why questions. Those only come from God. God tells us why there is creation. God tells us why there's consciousness, why there is mankind. And look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. 
Because he's our creator. He's the one that started this thing off. Before there was only God, now there is creation. That means creation has come from God, and he knows all the intricate workings of it. Not just scientific things, but the secret things to why he created uh, birds the way they are, the ocean and water to be the way it is, and consciousness to be the way it is. But the things revealed belong to us. So we only have what's revealed to us through the things that we can discover through science or what God reveals to us from his heart and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. So God says, hey, I have all the answers. I know all the science and I have all the revelation to why things work. So why do we love God? Here's in review. Remember this? We talked about it. Why do we love God? Because God the Father and the Holy Spirit is the foundation for existence and creation. The foundation for life, consciousness, and spirituality, morals and values, logic and reason, natural laws, science and math. And that little red triangle there being your life flourishing, your best day when things work for you, you're emotionally in your right mind, you have a good day. All of that has happened because God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit created the world that you live in. A good way to look at good days is this. Whenever I experience something good, it comes from my Heavenly Father. That's what I was created for. Whenever I experience something bad, that's what Jesus died for. He died to take the pain of those bad days. So when I get a taste of goodness on this earth, I'm reminded of what God made me for. When I get a taste of evil upon this earth, I'm reminded of what Christ died for. Now look at Romans 11.36. Here it is simply. For from him, talking about Jesus, for from him, through him, and for him are how many things? Somebody say all things. Thank you. Are all things. So is existence and creation part of all things? Yep, so it's from him, through him, and for him. That's what creation is all about. Is life, consciousness, and spirituality a part of all things? Absolutely. So it's from him, through him, and for him. What about morals and values? Are those part of all things? Logic and reason, natural laws, science and math, your human flourishing, your best day? Absolutely. Your best day is from him, through him, and for him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So answering the question simply, why do we love God? We love God because he made everything, and everything is from him, through him, and for him. Can I hear an amen? Now the simple thing is, how do we love God? Well, how do we love God? Well, because he first loved us, now we can love him by worshiping and obeying his commands. Those are the two main components. Whenever you look through the Old Testament or New Testament, worship him in spirit and in truth, obeying his commands. And Jesus said, if you're my friends, you obey what I command you. And that is how we look at the world. And I gave you guys a great story of seeing yourself as a character in the divine romance of God's story, that God is chasing after your heart. He came down on the cross to capture your heart and to conquer all your fears and all the evil of your heart. And then one day he's going to conquer the world and judge it. So let God conquer your heart before he conquers the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now the next thing that we went to was loving people. Everybody say loving people. When I say loving God, y'all say loving people. Loving God. Loving God. Amen. So that would be an easy way to remember, you know, some of these things that we've been talking about. Now we go to loving people. Same thing. There's a why we love people, and then there's a how to love people. So not going through the illustration we went before. You guys remember the how and why uh, the illustration. But here's 
why we should love people. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, my little helpful commentary there. The bottom line is, is that God made us in his image. So why do we love other people? It's not just because if I scratch your back, you scratch my back. That's what the scientists will tell you. They'll say, oh, I know why we should be good and morally right to each other, because that's how we survive. We survive by being kind to each other. We're not animals. We want to have a, you know, a propagation of our species, safety for our children, so we couldn't go around murdering each other. It just wouldn't be right, because then we would have not a good society. Well, you know what? When Marxists and communists and socialists began to think they could come up with morals without God, they killed more people in the last hundred years than any time in human history. Over a hundred million people died as they thought they could be moral without God. Because morals without God is like trying to find fashion and who finds what fashion to be the best. Moral values will change like fashion. One will say, well, I like wearing darker clothes. I like wearing spring colored clothes. One says, I like killing Jews. I like helping Jews. I like murdering my and you know most of these people murdered all their own people it was their own people the jewish people were german citizens by 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 and large they were the german people that were there the russians killed about 50 million people under stalin putting them into the gulags and torturing their own people chairman mao under communist china killed about another 50 million they say it could be even higher than that uh, mussolini in italy killed his own people uh these these pol pot and um pol pot was in um that place, that Asian nation that just slipped my mind, Pol Pot. Look it up for me real quick. Po Cambodia killed his own people. These people showed us that only morality based in God will be true morality. There would be no good unless there was God. There would only be different shades of gray. We wouldn't know black and white without God. And so why do we love people? Listen to Genesis 1, through 28 with my commentary here just to help you see the picture here. God the Father said, let us, the Trinity, make mankind in our image. And the image of God is three persons sharing one nature, the God nature. In our likeness, which is complex unity, tri-personal unity. So God the Son created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, the Trinity. He, Jesus, created them, male and female. There you have two persons. And then God the Son blessed them and said, be fruitful, have the offspring, the third person, and increase in number. And so what is the God family like? Father, spirit, son. What is mankind family like? Man, woman, child. And as I taught you before, there isn't a correlation between our father to his father and son to our offspring because that would make the Holy Spirit a woman. And the Holy Spirit is not a mother and it's not a, a female uh, entity. She, uh, he is a part of the masculine God that we serve, which is a he, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All are masculine. But we see this, uh, this image in mankind at the very beginning. This is why we were made. This is why we are different than animals. Animals may have male, female, and offspring, but they do not have a conscious mind. And so we have a conscious mind, which gives us our free will, which allows us to do logic and reason and math and think about why we think about things. And so that in the family is the image of God. And that's why a man, the child offspring, will then leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, become one, and start that process over again. So why do we love people? Is it just beneficial for society? Sure it is, but that's not why we do it. Do we do it just because it helps get us a scratch back? No, we do it because we are all made in the image of God. And so we respect the elderly. That's why we don't believe in euthanasia killing our old people. We don't believe in eugenics killing sick 
people, and we don't believe in killing babies in the wombs because they're persons made in the image of God. Procreation is the gift of creation from God to mankind. Mankind was created in the image of God, and then he allowed it to be uh, continued on through procreation, man and woman getting together. So that's why we love people. Everybody say the image of God. Amen. Now, how do we love people? We love God by worshiping and obeying him. We love people by helping them in their times of need. Like the Good Samaritan, we make our life about helping others. If we have two coats, we give away one. If we have an extra seat in our car, we give them a ride. If we can share our lunch, we do it. One of the great things in our church is we have a Good Samaritan page on Facebook that you can join where your prayer requests can be put up. And whenever you're in need, you can mention it and someone may give it to you there. Or if you have things you would normally sell in a garage sale, you could give it away there to your brothers and sisters. And that's what the Bible says in 1 John 3.16. In John 3.16, it talks about God so loving the world and him laying down his his life for us. But then in 1 John 3.16, it says that since we now know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for each other, for our brothers and sisters. And it goes on to say, how can you say that you love your brother when you see them in need and do nothing for them? Do not love in words only, but love in truth and deed. Can I hear an amen? And then the second way that we love people is by preaching the gospel to them. Because we can go to Congo and do dental work for our, our brothers and sisters in Africa. We can support the work of, of the, gospel, uh, the, the missionaries doing all these medical things around the world. But you can still go to hell with, a, you know, with your teeth fixed. You can still go to hell having a nice house. And so what we want to do is not only help people in their time of need, preach the gospel to them. And we don't want to make stereotypes. So take, for example, the doorman who works at the condo place downtown. The doorman needs Jesus just as much as the guy living at the top condo. We don't want to make stereotypes. Sometimes people look at the doorman and go, well, he needs Jesus. He doesn't make as much money as the big bucks guy up there. No, you don't know that. Big money might have big problems. You know, sometimes people have a lot of hurts, but they hide it between their uh, hide it with their wealth. And then at the same time, we may say, oh, the doorman will come to church because he's more approachable. That doorman may be stingy and greedy, and that rich man up there may be generous and very full of God's love and just blessed in what he does in life because poor doesn't mean you're spiritual, okay, and rich doesn't mean you're, you're, you're cursed. And so you got to honestly look at the people around you, rich, poor, everybody in between, all the different ethnic groups we have in this church, over 30 different ones if we count all of our heritage, and about 15 different ones if we count where people have lived or their family has lived uh, just in one or two generations. That's a lot of different uh, ethnicities here, a lot of different age groups here, and a lot of different social economic statuses here. That should be what all churches should look like, and we should strive to do that more and open up our words and preach to everybody around us. Preach to your waiter. Preach to your boss. Preach to your neighbor. Preach to the bus driver. Share the gospel everywhere you go. Can I hear an amen? Help people in their time of need and preach the gospel to them. Then in review, just our last one, what we talked about last week where I got really excited, preached my guts out. We talked about connect, mentor, send, which is our discipleship strategy. And once again, why should we make disciples? Why should this be important to us? And uh, just to remind you, whenever you go back over the notes, which I always put in front of you here in church, you can always see the sermon is there as well. Well, why should we make disciples? Well, because 1 John 4, 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Everybody say, God is love. 
thank you. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So it's all about love. We should love each other. We should love like God has loved. So if Jesus made disciples, we should want to make disciples. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. How many want to be confident on the day of judgment? You're getting in and getting a good report. Amen? Well, how do you, want to, how do you, how do you know you can be confident? It's in this world we are like Jesus. Live like Jesus and you'll be confident on the day of judgment. So how did Jesus live? Jesus always obeyed the Father. Jesus obeyed the Father when he made disciples. So should you obey the Father and make disciples? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you until the end of the ages. Did he not say that? So if Jesus made disciples, you are to be like Jesus and make disciples. So you are to reflect Jesus and his teachings in education. You are to reflect Jesus like the sun, S-O-N sun, shining through you in politics and how you vote in the government. We should reflect Jesus in the local church. We should reflect Jesus in our friendships. We should reflect Jesus and let him shine through us in our marriages, on our job, in our community, with our children and in our family. The world should see us as a glass and and, uh, the translucence looking through us to see Jesus. They should be able to see through us Jesus. They should see through our attitudes Jesus and not just a bad mamma jamma, right? They should see through us Jesus in all these major areas. So why do we make disciples? Because we were created to display God's image. We were created to be like Jesus. We shouldn't be like Oprah Winfrey. We shouldn't be like the world around us. We should stand out and be like Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Help me preach it. Now, how do we do that? Now, in every church, they have to have a way, a system, a strategy, a wineskin to hold the wine. The Bible uses that illustration. If you're going to make new wine, you better have a new wineskin. Otherwise, when the wine starts to ferment, it's going to break through the old wineskin, and there goes all your wine. How many like to waste wine? No, how many want to keep it around, right? You want to take good care of it. That's Jesus' illustration. That's not some drunkard pastor trying to get you drunk up here. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus said, take care of your wine. Amen? That's what he said. So he said, you're looking at me crazy. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, new wine, new wineskin, other wine, new wine, otherwise new wine, and an old wineskin goes on the floor. So what is our wineskin? Our wineskin is that thing that you heard about today, connect, mentor, send. So how do we connect to Jesus? Well, we get connected by being born again, be uh, connected to, uh, remain connected after we're born again, and then get connected to a good church. You're going to learn more about that as we go through our message today. This is just the introduction. You guys came for a good sermon. Amen. And so you, you think about connecting as plugging in. That's your source of life. So get born again. Know Jesus personally. Then determine, like the vine and the branch illustration we've heard before in John 15, abide in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Don't be so quick to leave Jesus for the devil as he winks or bats his eye at you or tempts you with some stuff. Right? Stay with Jesus. And then find a good church, which is the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, the bride of Jesus. Find that place to be connected. And then we learned about being men. Mentored, and mentor simply means to be discipled. And what are those ways that we do that? Well, 101, 201 in our church. And how do we get connected in our church services and life groups? And how do, should we be discipled as we're going through our classes and our 101, 201 classes? We should be teachable. We should be willing to learn, be accountable. We should be servants willing to help out around the church. And we should be hungry for God and his righteousness. The Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. 
You see, that's why I didn't bait and switch you this year to say, hey, everybody come learn how to be a millionaire at the beginning of year at Metro Praise. No, but if you follow these principles, you'll have your best shot at being a happy millionaire. See, I'm not having to bait and switch and say, everybody come to church and I'll teach you how to have a great family. No, I'm teaching you how to seek the kingdom. If you do that, you'll have your best chances at having a great family. I can't promise you a world without suffering and trouble, but I can promise you a blessed life when you follow Christ. The best fathers, the best mothers, the best employees, the best neighbors are going to be those who seek first God and His righteousness. And then lastly, oh, and by the way, we do that in 101-201 classes. You've heard about that. And then we get sent out. So we got to be sent out. And the idea of being sent out, it's not that we never come back to our church, but when we leave this church, we have to uh, do the work of the Lord, do what He did to be like Him. And so we do that through evangelism. And all of our life groups have evangelism, whether it's going to a Friday Bible study, they do it beforehand. Evangelism on Saturday night has training. Our youth go Fridays out before the, uh, the youth group to the high schools. Single moms will go out into the community in front of the, uh, the grocery stores giving out free tamales and different things. It's amazing to the mother shopping. We've done um, different life uh, life group outreaches at a laundromat. We came there with a big bucket of quarters and paid for everybody's laundry. Isn't that awesome? So that when you leave out of here, what are you supposed to do? Evangelize. Share your faith. And what should you remember? You should always remember to see the Lord. You're doing it for Him. You're not an Amway salesman. You're doing it for Jesus. See the harvest. Jesus said, look at the harvest. It's ripe. It's ready to be harvested. The workers are few. So the problem isn't that there's uh, too little of people in the church. Uh, no, there's just too much to do out there, and there's not enough of us here to get it done. And we always are going to be overworked by the amount of wor uh, the world that we have to win out there. And so if I had 1,000 people today, it still wouldn't be enough. 10,000 people, 100,000 will just start putting the dent into this city. And I, I would love to see if God says to us after we reach a uh, 100,000, if he goes, that was just the introduction. I got more for you guys. That would be so fun. See the need. You got to see the world around you and the needs that the people have and see your personal ministry. So why do we go out and make disciples through Connect, Mentor, Send? It's because everyone is to reflect the image of God. How do we do that? We do those through the ways discussed. Now we are ready for the goal. Everybody say the goal. Amen. Now, we want to know why we want to achieve this goal. Why should we say 100,000, right? Well, it's pretty simple. I want you to, th to think about it like this as I put up the image here. When Nancy and I started this church, we wanted to have a goal of what we should achieve for. And I like to call it the big ask. Everybody say ask. That's the word to remember, big ask. Because you're going to see in Psalms 2.8, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. So when we start a church, we should look at the earth and say, God, what do you have for this church to do? And I can tell you that Jesus would say something like this, I like big ask and I can't deny. Jesus would say something like that. And the reason why he likes big ask and he can't deny is because he said the whole world is mine. The whole world is mine. And so when you ask him for something, it shouldn't be a small ask. It should be a big old ask. Are you listening to me? So you should come to God with your big old ask and say, Jesus, I want the nations to be saved. So when I closed my eyes as a new pastor, I just said, Lord, how big can we get? And I, and I just felt the Lord say, think of the biggest church in America, times it by two. Think of the biggest stadium, filling it up. And I just kept getting this number, 100,000, 100,000, 100,000. So I, I remember a pastor going once to a conference overseas in Korea. 
And they had a division for pastors that were pastoring more than 100,000. And that w- you couldn't go into that part of the conference unless you had more than 100,000. And so this American pastor wanted to see who was in there because there's no churches in America over 100,000. Even now, Joel Osteen's only around 40. And this was way back then. And he wanted to peek in there, and he saw nobody was from America. Nobody was from North America. The people that were sitting there were from Africa. They were from Southeast Asia. They were from Latin America. Colombia has a church of over 400,000. Nigeria has churches of over 100,000. India has churches of over 100,000. In China, because it's illegal to gather in one place, they don't have a building that can fit those many people, but they say that some house church leaders pastor a million people through their networks, that they are responsible for a million people, and they send forth their messages through the house networks. Nigeria has the largest meeting church in the world, the one that's in Lagos, and can fit around 40,000 people in one service. It, it literally looks like an airplane hangar, and that's the largest place where they meet regularly for church. And so I began to say, God, 100,000 in Chicago. And then I said, well, if we're going to do that, we need campuses to meet those needs. And so 50 churches seemed about right to house those 100,000. That would come out to be about 2,000 per campus. And then we began to look at, well, the, the world is out there as well. What can we do to reach the world? And I just felt the Lord say, start with 500. And, uh, you know, that was before we even partnered with the Bible College. Now we have partnered with the school. We've graduated over 25 students into full-time ministry for a church of around 200. We literally have about 15 pastors. It's absolutely amazing. And now they're going to start being sent out over these next few years. We want to start sending them out by 2018. Can I hear any men for that? And uh, we do have a mission trip. We raised $11,000 for the Philippines. We'll be going to in March. And they have already about 1,000 of our books. Pakistan has our books. Nigeria has our books. And so we've been already investing in these nations. There was at one time about 200 churches that were affiliated with us, but then we went in a different direction. But I want you to see the importance of this. The importance of this is we need to have a big ask. We need to come before God and go, Lord, we want to dream big and work hard. We want something that scares us when we look at it. And I want you to also see the revelation of that into your own life. Dream big in life. Dream big for your family. Let the kingdom of God be a platform for your life to succeed. That's the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to come here and see a business that's always promised to succeed and then get vision for your business. And then you could see it as this. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. You can make that personal. Where are you going to inherit things for the Lord in your everyday life? Because the more you inherit for the Lord, the more the Lord will use to continue to spread his gospel. When Hobby Lobby gives a tithe off their billions of dollars. That's quite a bit of money, isn't it? Hundreds of millions. And so when you have more, you can give more. When your car can only fit, uh, you have a two-seater, you can only take one person in that car. You have an SUV, you can fit a whole bunch. And now some pastors say, we want a plane. Well, hey, that's all up to them. Let me just say this. Don't lie, don't steal, and let God bless you as much as he can, okay? Save all you can, give all you can, make all you can. That's what John Wesley said. Let God be your judge. If you're not lying or stealing, you have no problem. I have no problem you having a private jet. Just share it every now and then, amen? Just take me to take me for a ride and then every now let me borrow it, okay? I want to learn how to fly. It's one of my lifelong dreams. I want to learn how to fly. I heard a story from a pastor down the road. His son, just like me, he's, he's a lot older than me now. His son's about my age. He had that dream his whole life. His son got older, got his pilot's license. One day God blessed them with 
with a plane, and they were able to fly around together. So maybe Lucas will fulfill that dream and be a pilot. Who knows? But the problem is a lot of these private jets, a lot of them crash all the time, so I don't want to die in a private jet uh, plane crash. Now, that may not make you feel sorry for me. Oh, Pastor, we'll never get a jet. But it is a lo- little dream I want to fly. How many of you have little dreams you have in life? Just little things like, if I could learn to do this, this would be fun. I want to jump out of a plane, and I want to fly a plane. That would be fun. And I've also looked at these planes that you can actually buy and put together, by the way. They have them for about $10,000. And then I was researching, and I saw that those were crashing quite a bit, you know. Because it's one thing to have a car crash. You know, it's like, oh, you know, maybe something happened. Your plane crashes, you're pretty much dead. You know, you're pretty much dead. So why should we have a goal? Because it's important. And this is what God said to us, because the nations belong to him. Now, somebody could be super spiritual, and they could be like, well, Pastor, why don't you just ask for $9 million? Well, the first thing is, is there's other churches in the city, okay? That would be silly. That would be like us saying we're the only church. Let God give them how many they're supposed to pastor. Amen. Let God give that to them and let us focus on what we're supposed to do. And then somebody else might say, well, that's a lot of people. I mean, look at who you have here. I mean, you know, you don't even have 100, whatever. Why are you believing for 100,000? Well, you know what? Because I have a big ask. Don't be jelly if you have a little ask and you over sitting here hating on me. Don't be hating on me, okay? Because when it comes to that, I want to go big. I want to go big. I want to go large and in charge. I want to give something for the angels to talk about. I want them to come in with that telegram from down earth and be like, Jesus, you got to check this out. Look at what this pastor is asking for down there. And I want Jesus to be like, it's about time. It's about time somebody had faith to believe. Can I hear an amen? So why should we have a, a goal? Because the nations belong to Jesus and we're to ask him for it. That's why. That's why we should have a goal. And the one that God gave us is plain and simple. So let us work towards it. Let us bear fruit that last. Now everybody open up to Acts 2.42 for the message. If you're ready, say I'm there. Oh, you're not there. I should say, if you're ready for the message, say, I'm ready. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Now you know why I was speaking so fast. And I literally have to, I literally, Alex, I had to tell myself, no jokes, no personality. I, at the end, I said, well, I can tell my little plane thing. Because I had so much information to go through because I wanted all to tie in today. I want this to be our time of celebration and see what God is doing. Oh, and by the way, we did our discipleship numbers for this uh, month, January, 152 registered disciples. Amen. Let's give it up for yourselves and give it up for Jesus. Don't be deceived by our second service turnout today. We had a super-duper large first service. And like I said, I don't want you to be discouraged either. Don't be deceived and think we're small because of the second service turnout. And then don't be discouraged because of the second service turnout. Amen? Because you're doing a great work for the Lord. If you, if you all came to the first service and I had nobody here, you would not be able to fit. You would be lined up against the walls. And we couldn't invite our friends. The parking would be terrible. And so last week, by the way, we had 88 people here. I don't know where they are today. But we're believing God for them to come back. Amen. If they don't, we'll get 10 more in their place because we have some room to grow, don't we? We've only gone up. And I just mean that in all humility. Our church has only grown and gone forward. Now, sometimes it dips in certain months. But every year when you look at the average, it always goes up. Praise God. So let us look now at how do we accomplish this great goal of 100,000 disciples, 50 churches in Chicago with 500 around the world. How do we do that? Well, let's go to the book of Acts. Let's look at how the first church, the Acts of the Apostles, that's where that name comes from, Acts of the Apostles. Let's learn what they did. Now to save us time, I interjected our personal applications 
into these pa this passage here. And so basically what I'm going to show you is in these verses, they did 10 major things. And now this is not just for Metro Praise International to do. I have tested this by some of the greatest pastors and leaders I know. If you think you can find one that I'm missing, Facebook it to me and I'll research it. But almost everything people have said they could add to this, I could put them to a, a category here. So I am showing you the tenfold ministry of the entire church of Jesus Christ across the globe today. This is the summarization of all church. Wherever church is, wherever the body of Christ is, whether it's in Bogota, Colombia, uh, with uh, Cesar Castellanos, 400,000 members, 750,000 members in uh, uh, Seoul, Korea with Pastor Cho, or wherever else, this is the church. Or if it's with a small group like us, this is the church. Can I hear an amen? Okay, let's just see. And, and, and our interjection here is just like Connect Mentor Send. And I said this before, it wasn't biblical. It is biblical. It's just not inspired Bible. I'm not saying Connect Mentor Send. It's like Jesus said, now Connect Mentor Send and use Joe's books who will be written 2,000 years from now. No, what we're doing as pastors when we make strategies, when we make ministries, is we're trying to incorporate the heart of what these men and women were doing. Amen. You, you guys get the difference. So I'm not trying to say my books are inspired. I'm not trying to say the way I break down the 10 ministries is inspired. I just believe it's the best way of breaking it down. I do believe Connect Mentor Center is the best way. I've heard people call it other things, people who were alive well before me. The uh, Navigators were a Baptist movement making disciples. There was, their slogan was, reach one to teach one to reach one. Okay, Reach one to teach one to reach one. Others long before I were born came up with touch heaven, touch your heart, touch others, so it would be reach up, reach in, reach out, okay? And, and there's uh, some people have four steps. They'll, they'll have win, consolidate, mentor, disciple, send, so things like that. That's the G12 movement of Columbia of the 400,000 member church. All big churches are discipleship based. Most of them are. Some of them may have, have lost their way along the lines, but like especially Chose, the largest church in the world, 750,000 member, that's discipleship based. And Castellanos, which I believe is the second in Bogota, Colombia, is uh, discipleship based, okay? So here we go. Acts 2.42. They devoted, these are the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we, we liken this devotion to apostles' teaching. This would include discipleship, and this would include Bible college. Now, why Bible college is important for our future ministers is that we are 2,000 years separated from the early church. They wrote in a different language. They, they spoke Greek. They wrote in that language. We don't know it. We have to go back and study it. They wrote in Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek is New Testament. We have to go back and study it. They understood the culture. They understood what a talent was when Jesus said the man gave talents. We don't know what talents are. Does that mean they could tap dance? No. Talents were bags of gold. They were weights and measures. The road to Jericho. Does anybody know where that's at? Is that by I-90? You see, so what we now, uh, what they would just call simple discipleship, over time the church developed into Bible colleges like Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, Oxford. All of these were Bible colleges. And it's just a more in-depth way of what? Studying the apostles' teachings. Okay? So they studied the apostles' teaching. They were into fellowship. Fellowship is hanging out and having fun. How many think that's pretty cool? That's actually in the church. We should be doing that. And to breaking of bread into prayer. And in this uh, section right here where it says breaking of bread into prayer, if you study, you'll understand that the breaking of bread here is actually the communion. So they took communion and prayed together. That's what it means here. And that would be prayer meetings. Uh, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so here you see... Um, 
this adjective or this expression that comes from what they're doing. So their ministries are producing awe in the community with signs and wonders. And if you just look around here, you will hear testimonies all day long. I'm telling you, man. You talk to Maria, her testimony is amazing. You talk to Steve in the back, amazing testimony. Christian, amazing testimony. He met the Lord Jesus in a vision. I mean, Augustine, Nandry has dreams all of the time, right? Am I telling the truth? Signs and wonders. We've seen healings and miracles. Ricky was with me when we've cast out demons. Amen. Does anybody have a demon here? We'll do it again. Anybody just check and know we're all demon free here? Good. Keep it that way. But but that's what follows the church. That's why I think our church grows so much. That's why I think makes it so exciting. It's not only are we just singing and performing like a lot of hip churches are now, but there's gifts of the Spirit. My wife gave a prophetic word in the first service, you know, and the Spirit moves at these altar times, you know. You've been up at here. Many of you have. You feel Jesus. You know there's other options for you, but you choose this church. Not to say there's not other good churches, but all good churches should have experiences with the Lord, and that's why I think keeps you guys coming back. Um, they all had, they all the believers had everything in common, and they were together, and they sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. That's community service. And you see those things like for us, we pick up the west side every Wednesday. That's uh, underprivileged children coming here. We bring the youth. You know what? The youth had 60 teenagers here a Friday. Let's give it up for Elevate Youth Group. Amen. They have three Bible studies. Elevate Youth Group has three Bible studies. It's amazing what God is doing in those teenagers. Last Bible study you had, uh, Steve, how many came? Eighteen. Almost as many are here right now in his house. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Because God is doing it. So let's, like I said, second service, let's not be discouraged and let's not be jelly. Amen. Let's keep holding it down here. But knowing that God is doing amazing things. Community service, also talking about Steve, doing gang outreach. I hardly know any uh, ministries that have enough boldness to do that. And uh, all the other things we do. We don't do a lot compared to what we want to do. I want to give away a million dollars a year. Well, you know what? That will take a $10 million budget. And then if we have those in all of our campuses, that would be like a $100 million budget, right? But I'm telling you, you know how much we gave away last year? We made 225000 2015. We gave away over 20000 We gave away 10% basically of what we made. We gave it through individual support, through mission support, through all the different things that we did. And we're going to keep doing that. Amen? Uh, each day they met together in the temple courts. That would be what they would call their services. That's when they were getting together. They ended up getting kicked out of the temple, so they ended up having to do it all in their home eventually. Uh, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So you see now the breaking of bread in their homes is different than the breaking of bread we saw with prayer. Breaking of bread con connected to prayer is communion. Breaking in, uh, of bread in the homes and eating, they know, you notice they say eating there, is that life group setting, that coming together. And when you look at our church, we have so many different options with these life groups. And, and we only let the ones conflict that they would not harm each other. So, for example, the single moms will meet at the same time of the married couple on Sunday because there's no conflict there. Or, or, or something like that. You get my point? But there's always opportunity to do more. So let's say you're a married couple and you say, I love going once a month because we have the meeting weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly. So let's say you like, say, Man, I love a Sunday life group at the marriage group once a month. But I kind of like going to Bible studies too. You can go to a weekly Friday Bible study. Do you know that we have about 105% participation in our life groups? That means more people come to our life groups on average in the month than actually come through the doors of the church. 
they say on average there's about 30 youth that are coming to the youth group that aren't a part of the church, and there's probably about another 15 children, like I said, from the west side that come on Wednesdays that don't come to the church. So you can see this explosion of what God is doing in those life groups. Uh, you keep going. They're praising God. They're enjoying the favor of all the people. And then look at this. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And if you track out with the book of Acts, this is right at the beginning, so you track out with them. How are they getting saved? Well, people are going evangelizing, going out to preach. They're starting new churches, hence the name of the books that you have in your Bible. Ephesus was a city Paul started a church in. Philippi, Philippians is where Paul started a church. Is everybody with me there? So they're evangelizing, they're church planning, and what we would call mission trips, they're going outside of their culture to other cultures. And do you know where Thomas, the doubting Thomas disciple, you know where he died? India. He was the first missionary to Southeast Asia. And you know where some of the greatest missionaries are coming from right now? They're coming from China. Though they themselves are being persecuted and you think they would want to run away, they're actually sending their best into the Middle East and to places more dire than where they are at. Does that not show you the love of Jesus Christ in their hearts? It reminds me of the story of the video I put up of two Iranian girls who got out of Iran to go to Bible college in Turkey, and guess what they did? They turned around, went right back into Iran, and distributed over 20,000 Bibles. But they ended up getting arrested and were tortured for about nine months. Isn't that sad? But God set them free. That's a true story. So let us just look at it briefly. We don't have to spend a lot of time. So if you put all ten of those things in a list, it's services. There's life groups. There's fellowship. There's discipleship. There's prayer meetings. There's community service. There's evangelism. There's Bible college for those that are called to be in the ministry. There's church planning, starting new churches, and mission trips. And guess what? This is how we're going to fulfill our goal, and we're already doing it. And if you've been faithful to the strategy of Connect, Mentor, Send, you are already doing what it takes to do our goal. It's already there. So think about this. We have been so strategic in praying about how to fulfill all these things that we've eliminated midweek services. We've done certain things to loosen up people's time so that their life groups can meet all throughout the month in different places. Uh, we've, we've let 101 be done one-on-one instead of it being in a class where we used to do it as a class where you'd have to come to a certain day and time. So now that multiplied us so quickly when we could say, do it on do it on your own. So you find a 101 leader. Then we started two 201 classes, one on Thursday night, one on a Sunday morning. And right now we have 39 201 students. Isn't that amazing? And, and we have 68, I believe, 101. Most of all of you here are in the 101 or 201. It's just amazing what God is doing. So now just look at it. Look at it. If, if you've been saying, Pastor, this is my church, and by the way, I'm not going to tell anybody else to go anywhere now, okay? I feel like I've already said that. You're here. This is your church. The last couple weeks I've said, if this isn't for you, go down the road. As a matter of fact, I think I've said it so much that some of those churches need to pay me for advertising. You know what I'm saying? I was like naming them. I was like, go see Pastor Choco. Go see Pastor this. And it's like, okay, and some of you are like, Pastor, stop saying that. It hurts my feelings. This is my church. I love it. I don't want to leave. Okay? But I just wanted to give people the option, because here's my thing. If you don't want to do this, go somewhere and do that. Go somewhere and do that because don't make the excuse here, this is not for me, and now I do nothing. Do this or do that, but do something instead of nothing. Hello, somebody. Amen? Do something. Okay, so now here's how it works. Watch this. Connect. Here's how it works. You're coming to services. You're doing it. You go to life groups, and at the life groups, you're fellowshipping. So right there, just in the connect phase of being a part of the Sunday service, finding a life group, a monthly one, a weekly one, bi-weekly one, you're now knocking out two at once, life groups and fellowship, and you're also fellowshipping at the service. Boom. Done. 
we're accomplishing our goal right there. See, because here's what I believe. Let me just stop and say this. To reach, uh, let's say we want a budget of a million one day, we don't need to shake everybody down to give more and more, 25%, 30%. No, all we need is just more people giving 10%. That's all we need. That's how you get to a million. That's how we got to 225,000. No one here was shaked down to give 12%. Now give 15%. Give two times. I have some people say the tithe is twice. You know, give 20%. None of that. All we had to do was just keep growing the church and saying to the young man in the back, to the young lady in the front, working part-time jobs, give your tithe. To the working professional, give your tithe. And we just kept bringing in more people. And everybody brings in their tithe, and that makes the budget. Well, it's the same thing is here. It's not like we're going to accomplish 100,000 by us working 24-7, never stop and never stop. No, we're all just going to do our part. We're all just going to connect, mentor, send. That's how we're going to do it. All of us will do those 10 things if we just do it the way God set it up here. It's meant to be successful. Services, life groups, fellowship. Now, if you're being mentored in the 101 or 201, you're doing discipleship. In the discipleship, you're doing prayer meetings. Thursday night, Sunday, we pray. We pray before the church starts. We have prayer time after the church ends. Anytime you're a part of those prayer meetings, even in life groups, you're fulfilling what God is doing there. We also have prayer time in our church when we take communion, don't we? Next next week we do it. Our tradition is first Sunday of the month. Community service. Once again, if you're in our mentoring process, you're being asked to come. Come on out to Bodequa Fest. Come on out to the Thanksgiving outreach that we do on the west side. Come Come on out to some of the special events that we do on Wednesday nights in the community when we gave away all those bikes. I think we gave away 10 bikes for Christmas. We had almost 200 people here. I did, we, had, we did have 200, didn't we? It was like 198 or something. Well, that's all community service. Amen? You're doing it. And then send. Do evangelism. Well, if you're not training evangelism, Saturday night is evangelism training. The rest of the, all the life groups do evangelism just at their different times. They just do it at their different times. we got to get more creative with the marriage. they got to find ways to do it. I think we should find, like, going back to the laundry mats or going witnessing in the parks that we may want to walk around, maybe incorporating that. But to all of them have it. The Bible studies do it beforehand. Uh, the youth Bible studies do it beforehand. The single moms, they stand in front of grocery stores, and they give out uh, tamales to the mothers. I mean, this is amazing. And uh, now Bible college, church planning, and mission trips, do you know how you're participating in that? You're participating in that when you give your tithe and offering to the church and help support us by coming and growing the church. Because then people like Joe B. and Christian in the back get called into ministry, and there's a place for them to be trained up. We use a Bible college that is in Oakland that sends its, uh, uh, its, its, its classes here via the Internet. So you support this church, you're supporting Bible college. Then if you get called, you have a place to be trained up. The same thing is with church planning. In 2018, when we believe God to start church planning, by you making this a strong church, we can go start another one. Now I want you to think about how we're going to start our churches. We tried to go bigger, faster, and it didn't work. But just look at this. One door, two door, the third door you walk in, that's three storefronts. All we have to do is find three storefronts that we can combine and open up around this city. We can do that 50 times. Then from those 50, we'll grow and expand them. You know what just gave me so much vision for this? Is if you go right down here, this community center, literally the building right next to this brick, they did the same thing. They combined four or five storefronts, tore off the roof, about ready to do the thing. You know how many storefronts are in this city that we can do it? We will be the Radio Shacks, the Starbucks, wherever you want to call it, of this city, and then we'll expand from that point on. But the average size church, probably for the next 25 years, will look exactly like this. This will be the model we will have as we keep planting. They will not get bigger. We will continue to make smaller ones. Think rabbits instead of elephants. When we tried to build an elephant, we got into permits. We got into exponential amount of rent. Like this right here is only 
2500 a month for these three storefronts. That place only had about a couple thousand extra square feet, and they wanted 10000 a month. You see how exponentially it got bigger? So the idea is fly under the radar. Get some few storefronts. Go in places where people don't want to put their businesses. Like this has been kind of a business, um, you know, a lot of businesses have not done well here. But the community is awesome. So we got in very inexpensive, made it look awesome. How many things are pretty nice church? And now we can keep building these around the city. And it's so funny because I look at some of my friends' churches. They're investing millions of dollars into their big elephants. Like one of them has this big children's program they're, they're building. And I think we have more children than, we, than they do. When everything's said and done today, we'll probably have over. How many kids do we have in the first service? I think it was like 38, 40. Look it up, Tony, online. It's on the page. And then, you know, with our kids, we may have 50 today. We can have as high as 60. And these kids, they have a million-dollar facility. You understand? Million-dollar facility. Not even that. Praise God. And I'm not upset saying praise God, you know, trying to pimp them. I'm just saying the elephant is out. People want a community they can believe in. If you're going to do the elephant model, at least do discipleship with it. Amen. Stop trying to entertain people because people would rather drop off their kids in a storefront and know I'm going to get discipled and that child will get discipled than I'm dropping them off in some whatever you call Chuck E. Cheese looking place. Amen. But if we could have a million dollar children's facility and make disciples, that's a win-win. Amen. Okay. But don't be deceived and don't be discouraged. Okay. So now when we look at all of this, we have to now say, God, am I willing to be a part of this? And what we call this is the teaching of the body of Christ. How many they have the first service? 39 children. There you go. Almost 40 kids. Okay. Now watch. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 through 27. Not going to have time to read it all. Go back and read it. But just as the body, through though one, has many parts, but all of, you see that, hey, excuse me, Steve, let me just teach you something. It's just a few of us here today. You hear that? That, that popping means these mics are on. You've got to shut these off, please. Thank you. Just as a body, let's give it up for Steve. Let's just clap for him. That was a little awkward thing. Why not take the opportunity to teach our sound man? Why not take the opportunity to cut down all of those mics? It's giving us feedback. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. You see this? For we were all baptized by the Spirit, so to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. See, the body is made up of many parts. You are called to be a part of the body of Christ. Now, if the foot should say to the hand, uh, now if the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if an ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. See, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Does everybody get that? Okay. But in fact, God placed uh, every uh, God has placed parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. So everybody look up at me, please. You're a part of the body of Christ. We all have different roles. From the one who does the worship, to the one who does the security, to the nursery, to the Wednesday programs, to all those things we just mentioned. We make the beautiful body of Christ. You have a part to play. I want you to stay and be a part of what God is doing here. I want you to find your place. Because if you don't, it's like the hand saying, I'm out of here because I'm not an eye and take off. And then there goes the hand. It's like, come on, hand, come on back here. And so all of us need to work together to be the body of Christ. And so you can read all through throughout this portion portion here but listen to the end here Paul says now you everybody say you look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it each one of you 
So each one of you can now have a part in growing this second service. We need people dedicated to the second service. Say, I'm going to grow the second service. Come on, I'm going to build this second service. Believe God with me, amen? Let's believe God because if everybody drops out of the, the second service, I'm going to have to actually start telling leaders I have to assign you. Uh, if everybody says, I can't do second, I can't do second, I'm going to have to say, guys, i got to assign you now to the second because there's just no way. Like there's, there, Visitors will not come anymore. There will be no parking. There will be parking all the way down there. Before we went to two services at Easter, we had some services of 180. Today, it was almost full. It was almost full, and it was close to 160. Was it 156? It was 156, and it's like there's hardly any room. People were bumping into each other. You've got to understand, we have to grow the second service. It's the only way we can succeed here, right? Now, some people have said, why not make it 9 and 11? Pastor, why you got to make these services so long and put one in the afternoon? That, well, that's the reason why we're a church of disciples. I didn't come to make this like it's going to the movies. I came to make it like your life's going to be changed, amen? And even then, some people give more to the movies than they do to God. Come on. I mean, I want to take my time and preach, and I want to take my time and do the altars. My friends that do these services in rapid-fire succession, not all of them, so let's not think they're all bad, but my friends who do those things in rapid-fire succession, they don't preach more than 20, 35 minutes. They don't make time for worship to go a little bit longer like we did today, and they don't have extended prayer times. They say, well, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. No, I want to do it here. I want to do it while they're here. I want to do prayer time here. I want to do deliverance here. I want, to sh- I want God to show up here, not just make this a little come in and come out. You understand? Because my friends have hour and 15-minute services, and they'll do 9, you know, 9, 10, 15, 11. And I'm like, no, I'm not going that direction. So here's, here's our only thing is we have to now say, Lord, help us grow the 1 o'clock service. There are Catholics who go to 1 o'clock. There's, you know, Latinos have their Spanish services. A lot of them rent another building, so they're used to 1 o'clock. And then lost people just don't even know what time to go to church. It's like, what time do you go to church? I don't know. I've never been on a Sunday. So you invite your friend. You tell them one. They'll be like, cool, I got to sleep in, have some lunch. I'll meet you there. Amen. So let's get excited about the second service. You're a part of it. Amen. And then here Paul said in Ephesians, just to say it again, he said, so Christ himself gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are the guys that go to Bible college. Our Bible college is there to raise up the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And their job is to go and get trained. So in verse 12, to, uh, they can equip us, equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Come on, so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of, of the Son of God and become mature. Everybody say mature. Thank you. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God wants you to be the fullness of his image, not a partial image, the fullness of his image. And so in closing here, as you begin to think about your place in the body of Christ. Think of this image. All of us are like those gears or those parts working together to form the church. We need new leaders to raise up here. We need, you know, Alex and Maria to own the second service and be a part of this team. Amen. And they're doing wonderful. We need the others to come and keep growing in the second service and making this their part to participate uh, so that we can grow in the body of Christ. Now, I want to give you encouragement because for anybody, whether you've been with us for the very beginning, and we had people in the service that were with us in our home Bible study, or whether or not you're visiting with us, right? We all need encouragement. So I need encouragement. You need encouragement. So here's our encouragement. You ever feel tired? You ever run out of energy? Look at what Paul said. To this end, I strenuously contend. He is straining and contending 
with all the energy what? Christ so powerfully works within me. So where do I get the energy to do two services? Christ. Where will you get the energy to connect, mentor, send, to grow in your discipleship? Christ. Christ will give you that energy. You need to sit down and manage your time. Yes, manage your life. But at the end of the day, say, God, what do you want me to give? And if he says, hey, I want you to go Sunday, come early and stay late. Join a weekly life group and start doing your discipleship. Say, amen, Lord, I'll do it. And then at that life group, you can say to them, when do you do evangelism? They'll say, this is when we do it. Start participating with them. We know you can't do all things all the time. We understand that. Your life group leader is not going to expect that. The disciple is not going to expect Those of you who have already been with us, do you not know that? Come on, amen. You call up, hey, they called me into work today. I can't make it. Can we reschedule? Nobody goes, man. Nobody says back to you, oh, you're, you're backslidden. You don't really love Jesus. You would tell your job to shove it. No, no. We go, of course, let's meet again. Let's, okay, you can't make it on this Tuesday. Your boss called you in? Okay. Well, let's go next week, right? I'm discipling a, a man right now that uh, I went to school with. We started doing drugs and all these bad stuff together. I'm trying to help him. He can't find a good church yet. I'm mentoring him on the phone. And uh, we got stuck on three because he had a lot of sin issues in his life. And I said, hey, we're going to do it the same way on the phone as I do with people in this church. You're not moving past lesson three until you get to, until you get free. Because lesson three is all about freedom. Amen. And so if some of you feel like you're stuck on lessons, let the men trust that mentor. And if you have any questions, talk to another elder. We don't take that as gossip. You can say, hey, you know, Ricky's mentoring me. We're on lesson three. We've been there for five months-ish. Or uh, Tony, what do you think? And then they'll say, well, what's going on? You're like, well, I keep looking at porn. Okay, well, you still need to be on lesson three then. You get it? We don't take that as gossip if you ask other elders what's going on with the elders in your life. As a matter of fact, we encourage it so you don't get attached just to one person, but you get a plurality. And if you go to them and they think you're gossiping, they're going to say, stop gossiping to me about Ricky. Ricky's a great guy, but did you have any questions? You know, that's how they'll handle it because we do it together here. And then here's this scripture. We've heard it so often. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Let's say it together. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, when do we normally do that? Lord, I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Help me get parking at Hit Mall today, right? That's when we normally do it. We'll do it like for the silliest things. And I don't mean to say your life is silly because I, I find myself doing it too. Like, like literally, like when it snowed last year and it was like a blizzard all the time, I was like shoveling because I am like refusing to buy a snowblower. I'm like, I am a man. I do not need to have a snowblower. Ricky, do you have a snowblower? That kind of says it all. And he lives in the city. And he's, he lives in the city. Like his, his, his little sidewalk. I live in the suburb. I got this huge plot of land. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm in the movie Frozen last year. You guys know what I'm talking about. And, and you know, and then that's when you use the scripture. Oh, I can do all things through Christ. But that's not really where it's supposed to be. Of course, you can use it any time in life you need, you need encouragement. But how about asking God for strength to do all things when it comes to the ten things that accomplish the goal of his church. Oh, Lord, I feel tired today. It's getting late. I don't feel like doing 101, but I did tell him to meet me at 7. Lord, I pray for your strength today because I can do all things through you. I'm going to keep my appointment. Lord, it's, it's Wednesday. You know, we have a lot of professionals that help us out on Wednesday. We've, we, it actually used to be a lot of young adults helping us out on Wednesdays. And over the last uh, few months, a lot of our youth uh, that I pastored when they were young are now professionals. They have great jobs, and they said they wanted to help out with the youth. So it's amazing. They come in kind of like their business suits or their, their dress outfits, and they're working in the back with kids from Ohio Park and my kids running all over the place, you know. But here's the thing. You can see in them a strength that comes from God. 
And I guarantee you, they're, they're getting off work. They probably had 10 meetings or whatever, you know, 530. They're trying to get here to start at 6. They're, you know, come a little early at 6. And they're saying, probably, you know, something like, God, I just need you to strengthen me today. I just need you to encourage me as I go into work with these kids. In the natural, I don't feel like dealing with 15 kids. You know, some of their classes are that size. I don't feel like doing that. But, God, I've committed to these kids. Some of them don't have parents. And, 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 and you know, they need this. And I'm going to do it. See, that's when we pray that prayer. And I believe, just like in the times before, that's when we get the answers. Amen. You may not get the best parking spot as you leave here and go to the hit ball praying that. But if you pray that as you're making disciples, doing the vision, you're going to get an answer. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, here's what I want you to see as we get ready to go. John Wesley said it like this. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can. At all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Will you do that? Will you commit your life to that? I want you to think about this. What can I do that I'm not doing now? Something that God has placed in your heart to do. And then secondly, for those of you who are saying, I'm doing all that I can do. Ask the Lord, am I doing it the best I can do? Because I can even tell you, even preaching, sometimes I don't give it my best. It's not that I, I come here lazy. It's just that I didn't prepare like I should have or I, uh, I get distracted by the people. And God says, no, 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 you preach it in the second like you did in the first. Or you come, Joe, preaching at the first on a low number, like you know, some of those snow days, it's a smaller number. No, you give it your best. See, I know there's areas I can improve. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you get that? There's areas we can improve. Number one, what are you doing? Uh, what are you not doing that you should be doing? Number two, what areas can you improve? And number three, number three, where can you bear fruit that remains? What are you excited about? Like just what, you know, when, I, when I'm talking about all these things, you know, what gets you excited? Let me just put them up on the board before we get ready to pray. Uh, can you just put any worship song up right now, and then I'll give you the one we'll do in closing. We're going to have a couple of closings here today because I really want to make time for Jesus. How many love Jesus? Amen. This is where I want to show you that we're Pentecostal. We believe in the Holy Spirit. But um, just look at these. Where, where is your passion? Where's your passion? Are you passionate about King's Kids on Wednesday nights? You want to do Royal Rangers and impact with them? Gang, gang outreach? Goiveas or Vivid's Friday night Bible study? You know that right now they're going through a 12-week series on the grounding and the fundamental uh, of the Christian faith. It's amazing. I see Maria liking it. Amen. And Joby, are you enjoying it? Well, you're in the youth, but you've watched it already. Amen. You're enjoying it, Marco. Amen. Just find that passion. I mean, you've got so many different things. Think about that. Friday night's youth group. And it's also a time you could build foundation in your faith. Like, which one do I want to do? Ellie, how many youth leaders do you have? 26 youth leaders. Well, that's why they have a youth group of 60. You've got a lot of dedicated youth leaders. Amen? Evangelism, you know, people are dedicated to that. They had 16 people at evangelism last night. Going out, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's not. They go out. What else speaks to you? How about singles? You know, are you single right now? Go to that group. Do you have a heart for singles? Talk to our leaders. Maybe you had a tough time being a single and you want to go back and tell other singles or encourage other singles. Ask if you can be a leader. Same thing with single moms. Does that speak to you? Because married moms may want to help single moms. Hello. A married group. Do you want to be a part of that? You, you have to be married. We don't accept anything less than that. I'm sorry because we honor marriage. Amen. Well, I've been with my woman for 20 years. Well, then marry that woman then. Amen. Because you ain't married yet. You come to the marriage group when you married. Well, we common law married. No, what that is is on your way to hell married, okay? If you want to be on your way to heaven married, go make it official, amen? Okay. 
Uh, and then we have three youth life groups, okay, three of them, all of them averaging over 12. So about 36 of them meeting throughout the week as you can see what God is doing. Find something. Let's pray now as Steve plays some soft music. I'm purposely ending without hype. Uh, thank you. I'm ending with contemplation. Let's cut some of the lights, please, because I want you to pray as I pray. What are areas right now that you need to start growing in that you're not growing in? Look at your heart. Number two, what are things that you need to improve in? And number three, where do you want to bear fruit? Just where do you want to get plugged in and start bearing fruit? Meditate on some of those things for the next few moments as I pray as well. And then we'll close out with singing a powerful song and praying at the altars. few more moments, but just meditate on what God is telling you to do. Maybe you need strength. Maybe you've already known what you're supposed to do, but you need strength. Why don't you ask Him for it? Ask Him for it today. Say, God, strengthen me. Strengthen me. I think some of our oldest people in the 101 are in their 60s, and I think our youngest youth are 12, 11 years old. It doesn't matter. Come on. Give your best to God. Give your best. Give your best. One of um, Ellie's oldest youth leaders are in their uh, late 40s, early 50s, helping out with the youth. Same thing on Wednesdays. Older people saying, hey, I'll help out. People opening up their homes for Bible studies. Evangelism few more moments. Lord, what am I not doing that I'm supposed to? What are areas I need to improve? And where can I bear fruit? Where can I bear fruit? Of my soul. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. get your attention up here. Just turn it down just a little. Matter of fact, start that one over, uh, Ellie, because that was perfect. How many feel God spoke to you? Amen.
Did he tell you to leave and find another church? Okay, so most of you coming back, we're going to work together. Amen. I can count on seeing you here. I didn't do this in the first service because second service, I always get new ideas. You actually get a lot of the best, by the way. So please take that as an honor. Guess what? Uh, Tony, give me a head count. I want to know ex exactly who's here. Don't count Ellie because he just came to do some things for me. Yeah, all of us here in this room, give me the exact count. I'm going to blow your mind right now. I'm going to show you how we could reach 100,000 with this room right now. You guys ready? I didn't show this in the first service. You're good. You came back. You get doubly. Now watch this. Because people are like, Joe, 100,000, that's a lot. Whew. Wow, look how many people you got here. You know, sometimes I feel that too. It's like, oh, my gosh. That almost like laughs at me, mocks me. 100,000, come on, look. I'll show you how we could get 100,000, and I think it's in 10 years. Right now, just right here with Kelly, with Stephanie, with Monica. It doesn't matter if you've never done a Bible study. If we had a visitor, I don't see any visitors here, but if we had a visitor and they had never done a Bible study, they could do it right now. Give me the exact head count when you get, when you get it, Tony. No, just right here. I just want him right in this room. 22. Watch this. 22. If this next year, you 22 go into the 101, 201, graduate, and make a disciple, this year, that would multiply. Are you listening? The, the 101 should only take a few months, and the 201 is on a six-month cycle. That's about eight months. The, a year is 12 months. You would have four months to graduate and then win somebody to the Lord and disciple them yourself in a 101. Are you with me? Now, you can still win your neighbor to the Lord right now, and some of our leaders will disciple them. But I'm saying right now, you just said, I want to be serious. I want to be on fire for God. Let's go. Let's go. I want to be free. And you just did it right now. This time next year, what would you do? you take 22, and we all brought one with us. Are you listening? Into 2016. So we take 22 times 22. Oh, excuse me, 22 plus 22. No, no, no. That's, that would get crazy. 484. How did that happen? That math is funny, Pastor. Who's doing the church finances? Okay. Got to get rid of this addition sign here. Watch here. 22. Gosh, 22. Okay. Now watch. How many is that? 44. Keep these numbers. Write these numbers down, Ellie, in the back. So 2017, how many would we start? In, how many should be in this room in 2017, Ricky? 44. Now, those 44, do it all again. Take a year, one disciple. See, that's why numbers don't matter to me. I count disciples, not pew sitters. Hello? Hello, somebody. Jesus didn't count crowds. That was just a factor that they put in there in the gospel. But Jesus counted disciples. One, two, three, four, 12. Okay, y'all do. Y'all will do. We'll change the world with 12 of you, right? Start 2017 with 44. Now, those 44, do it right there. Now we got 88 coming into 2018, correct? 88 coming into 2018. We then have 88. Do it again. Everybody just make a disciple. Just every year be a disciple that makes a disciple. One disciple a year. That's it. One, 12 months. Find somebody. You live in a city of 9 million. Go make a disciple. Hello, somebody. 2019, we show up here 176. 176, do it again, make a disciple. We come into 2020 with 352 disciples. 352 disciples make it. We come into 2021 with 700 disciples. Are you with me? Then 704 
make a disciple. Now we have 1,408. What year is that? 2022? 2022. Now they do the same thing. 1,408 disciples make another disciple. Do you understand why we are so powerful by God's grace because of what we do? I'm not wasting time with pew sitters because I know when I get disciples, they make disciples. That's why I have 152 right now, 80% of our church. This thing will explode on you. You notice it didn't start exploding until around three or 400. We are just banking into 200 now. Last year we grew by 50 and that was our biggest year. I think this year we'll grow by 100 because it multiplies as it gets bigger. Now watch, 2,816 come into the next year doing the same thing. What year is this now number coming into, Ricky? 2,023, is that correct? 2,023, we have 5,632. They do it again, 5,632. We come down into 2024, correct? 2024. Now they make disciples, just like everybody else. We ain't doing 24-7. We ain't having you praying in the church all night and day. That's fine if you ain't got nothing else to do in your life. But a lot of you got to go to work. You got bills to pay. We're going to teach you how to do it the right way so you can multiply. Hello, somebody. Now we at 22,000. What year is that? That's 25, right? 25. Now we do 22,528. We now have 45,000 disciples coming in to our 10-year anniversary of what we just did right here, right? That's 10 years. Here comes 11 years from right here, 11 years from right here, 90,000, just round it up, call it, call it a cool 100, 12 years from today. 12 years from today, my friends, if we all just were disciples that made disciples, we could have 180,000. 12 years from right now, we will be the largest church in the nation. So what do you want to do? See, that's the question. What do you want to do? It is so simple. All you have to do this year to accomplish the vision is be a disciple that makes disciples. Jesus said to his disciples, now go into all the world, into all the nations, and make disciples. And Metro Praise has set up the simplest solution to you. Just make one disciple a year. That's what I tell Ricky. I say, Ricky, get one person out of all the people you're meeting with to go through it and get to be a deacon at the end of the year. Have them accomplish the same thing. Now, sometimes it doesn't always happen. You understand 12 years by, by 20, I think you keep doing it like this. Within 25 years, you've won the planet. So obviously numbers don't always work that way because people leave. Sometimes they take two years. On average, the system that we're running takes about 18 months to two years for someone to start and finish and start making a new disciple. So what you would do is just double that. 20 years from now, we would have 180,000. You think anybody's going to be complaining? Oh, we should have hit 100,000 10 years ago. No, if I hit 20,000, 20 years from now, I will be 59. If I hit 180,000 at 59, I'll be okay. Amen. Hello, somebody. So let's end with this song. Can you give him my phone, please? Uh, let's all stand up together. Let's all stand up. And uh, Marco, would you come here? I want you to give. Um, I want to give us a good song here that will encourage us. Give that to him. Thank you, sir. To really leave out if you're giving it our best. Are you excited? How many are excited for Jesus? Amen. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. What world changer do you know that started with a few amount of people and said, we'll change the world? Hey, 
That was his idea, wasn't it? So now do you understand why I get so upset with when churches are not doing it the right way? We're wasting our time. Yeah, choirs are cool and all that. We can have that. But if that's all we're focused on, we've wasted our time. And see, what has, what has not happened when we're not making disciples is the people's lives are not being changed. The culture's not being changed. So we're filling up a building, and we think it's cool, but really a lot has not changed. When you make disciples, at least I know Kelly's life has changed. At least I know Jonathan's life has changed. And if I know God changed Kelly's life, then Kelly will change someone else's. You know, it will keep on going. So would you put up the words here? I want to sing this old hymn. Be thou, our, uh, be thou my vision. And I want to ask that we would make this as our battle cry today. Amen. Not a rap, not something that's just trendy. But let's go back old school. Let's go back to the Middle Ages here. Let's say, God, be thou our vision. Okay, amen. Would you go ahead and start that, and I'll sing it with you up here. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. Jesus, help us close out with your power today before we leave. Be thou my vision. Put it up, please. Vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me. Not be all else to me. Say that thou art. Thou my best thought. sleeping waking thy presence my light thy presence altar workers would you come please let's get ready to close out we'll sing it out then we'll dismiss be thou my wisdom my wisdom come on how many need wisdom to live for God thou my wisdom and thou my true I ever with thee Thou with me, Lord. We need you for the fight, Lord. Be thou my shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, be thou my delight. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance. Pressure. 
Jesus, a hand clap of praise. I don't know about you, but that song motivates me, man. <laughs> Woo, I have memorized. Just play it lightly now in the background, please. I have memorized that entire song. I literally, that first verse, not be all else to me, save that thou art. That I'm telling you, that took me about 10 minutes. But it's powerful. I pray that you're leaving out here motivated, amen. If you need prayer for anything, let them come. Uh, please come to them and let them pray for you. If you want to start discipleship or have questions about another life group, most of them have all that information, and then we'll just dismiss, amen. So keep that up plain. We love you. Slap somebody high five and say, let's do it. Amen. Tell somebody, you're dismissed. I won't keep you any longer. Come on, Stephanie, give me a high five. Amen. Come on up if with you need some prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Bring a friend with you. Start making a new disciple. And you can put it up a little bit more, brother. Amen. Thank you.